Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Support for this podcast comes from Crown Royal. Be sure to try the new Crown Royal Texas Mesquite, a fine blended Canadian whiskey infused with Texas Mesquite wood flavors. Available at your nearest store that sells booze. Must be 21 or older to purchase. Please drink responsibly. I hope you enjoyed this podcast. And if not, there's other podcasts out there to listen to. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Hash Time. I'm your host, Mike Escamilla. Today's guest, finally, from his neck of the woods... One hell of a guy, actually the greatest motherfucker I know. You, music, said, that about, you said that about Tony. You know what? I did. Yes, you did. <laughs> music, I listened. radio, just a great guy to talk to. Please give it up for Rick Kubik. Rick, thank you for coming out today. Well, thanks so much, uh, Mike, for having me on. Appreciate it. Nice little opium den you have here on the hash time. I, <laughs> it's very nice. A good hideaway. Good hideaway for for a radio show. I you know I can't I don't like to say podcast. So I think you should just say welcome. Thanks for joining us here on the show because that podcast this way it makes it more radio esque. Yeah. Do you agree? Yeah. All right. So don't use podcast anymore. Okay. Definitely right? will right. not. Yes. Definitely. Radio. I know it's not radio because we're on the computer and it's internet and it's not really radio because radio is terrestrial radio. But you could still kind of claim it as radio or make it feel. It feels like radio to me. Does this feel like a podcast, Leo? Does this feel like a podcast? Feels like a radio show, right? I'm glad to be here. Thank you so much for having me. I do, I do appreciate it. You found the place okay, right? Right, right. And free parking. Wow, I couldn't believe it. Yeah, you had that. So, um, one of the things that I kind of like been thinking about, as your name, is you, you going by Miguel Miguel? No, you don't go by Miguel Miguel. That's, my, that's your modeling. That's name. my model alias. You because it's Mike Escamilla. A.K.A. Miguel Miguel. Miguel Miguel. A.K.A. Beer Beer. That's what I call it. I like Beer Beer. That's beer Beer is good, though, too. We will actually get onto the whole Miguel Miguel name in a bit. We got a, well, Leo doesn't know anything about it. Leo's the producer here. He does not, actually. Oh, okay. I'd like to hear those, Leo. Um, I know you from WJOB, but one thing I've always wanted to know was, like, should I have been born, like, 40 years before? If I would have I got know. to know Matter Rose Rick, uh, primarily the same guy, same guy. I'm still kind of who I am. It didn't. It, that didn't really matter. The Matter Rose thing was just a, a band that came about, and uh, you know we did some work with it. The same guy, same guy. Maybe a little bit more mellowed. We're, you know, when you're uh, traveling in a band, there's uh, a lot going on, and uh, we were at a certain level that was, you know, fairly high. And uh, so it got out of hand for a while, and you live that lifestyle, but maybe I'm a little more mellow. How did you get affiliated with them? It's a long story, man. Or how did you, like, join that band? Because you're you're the drummer. Yeah, you know, it it just came about. I was uh, beaten around in New York City for years, and I was fortunate in the 80s. I did a lot of things with uh, ex-plasmatic. I lived with one of the plasmatics. Uh, You remember Wendy O. Williams and all that. And uh, one thing led, I was kind of networking a lot, you know, doing a lot of gigs, doing a lot of bar gigs in the 80s, and then the 90s came, and, you know, went out to L.A. for a while, and then came back, came back to Chicago for a bit, got a gig at a place called Limelight. Just, it was all networking. It's all networking and a bit of luck. So when I returned to New York, it was probably late 80s, and uh, I was playing a lot of rockabilly gigs, played in a western swing band with this guy, Whit Smith. Had a lot of things, five different bands, doing all kinds of things, driving a cab, trying to pay the rent. It was it was fun, but yet not stressful because I didn't really have any major commitments except my ex-wife. So that's a commitment. I hope if she's listening, it um, doesn't matter. And um, I don't know, just one thing led to another. I met this guy, Matt Verderay, through an ad in the Village Voice. You looked at ads back then, you know, in the newspaper, circle it. Drummer wanted my, you know, it was always like drummer wanted must be serious for all original band label interests. It was always that thing. So I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But Matt was a real networker and uh, started playing with a, a rockabilly band that he had called Greasy Swirl. And he was involved with a bunch of different people. It was a great time, late 80s, early 90s, Lower East Side in New York City. And um, then one day, uh, Matt told me about his friend Billy and said, hey, he's starting his band and it's alternative rock. And I was like, what's alternative? I don't know what that is. 
And uh, Matt came to my house one Sunday. He said, yeah, they're going to audition. Why don't you go audition? They're going to get signed, you know, blah, blah, blah. So I went and auditioned, got the gig, and then we got signed relatively quickly with no demo tapes, no fancy demo tapes, uh, nothing like that. It was kind of an amazing time. But it was, uh, you know, Nirvana was out and all that grunge thing was going on. So the labels were really yeah. signing everybody and the alternative thing. All the majors were inventing these little small indie labels, but they were really under the umbrella of a major label. So it's, it was primarily a, a good time and luck. Again, luck. You know, it, you know, you could be a great musician and just not have the luck. And it just kind of all fell together. Everything fell together. The manager, the booking agent, it just... What I was striving for since the 70s just happened in, the, in a few months. So wow. timing, timing. It's I timing mean, and luck. Would take a lot into it. I don't care how good you are. It's timing and luck. So One thing I forgot to mention. Yes. Yes, uh, yes, yes, yes. We got some crack in here. We got uh, some crack in black spiced rum. I'm, as, I'm uh, kind of wondering if you would like to answer this. I've been waiting. <laughs> I've been waiting. McCracken. Ah, give me all, you're gonna do the glass thing. You're gonna get the glass noises. You're gonna do. Yeah, you'd have a better chance at pouring those than me. Oh, that's good. No, thank you. Thank you. Leo's pouring up some. Oh, I like that Misfits glass. Is that yours? Nope, that one's mine. Oh, that one's yours. That is actually from uh, from my friend Shauna. She has a company called Handy Mama Designs. Oh, very good. Very good. How did you get into radio? Into this podcast thing? Hanging around people like <laughs> you and Tony and Chuck, <laughs> and kind of like. Uh, I would say I would say more so Tony, but the the idea of a podcast was always like there for me. It was something I just kind of kept on my back burner. Uh-huh. It wasn't up until about a month ago I wanted to start doing oh, something, you. acting on it, so to say. Oh, very good. You know, I'm glad you're doing it, man. A lot of people, and I, I have to admit, I listen to yours, and there's there's a lot out on the web. There's tons of podcasts. All there's all kinds of people doing stuff. So uh, you have a, you have a, you read well. That's one thing. Cheers, cheers, Leo. Cheers. Thank you, thank you. So a little uh, spiced rum. Yes. Let's see. It, I smell vanilla. Yeah, it smells like vanilla. Little hint of vanilla. Oh, that's good. That is a good one. It's almost I like was, chocolate uh, milk, and I don't drink milk. Oh, you know what? No, I can't. I am. Uh, oof. You lactose. drink milk. You know what? I'll, I'll get a craving. I'll get some munchies sometimes. And, uh, like chocolate chip cookies and dipping them in, in milk? Chocolate chip cookies, but I dip them in chocolate milk. Chocolate milk. I can't. I, it's hard for me to handle milk. The other day, we were uh, visiting some friends down in Lafayette, West Lafayette, yeah. on the Purdue campus. And we went into this diner, and they were all making these milkshakes. And, it looked, and I generally, I, I stopped drinking milk when I was about eight or nine. I just didn't like milk that often. That much. Yeah. I was more of a. Um, I liked the cured meats even as a little kid. I didn't like candy. I was more like cured meats, salamis, things of that sort, you know. And uh, so, as it turns out, uh, I did have the milkshake and I, I paid for it. I, you know, it was good when I was having, oh, vanilla. I love vanilla. So, this reminds me of a little bit milky, but it's not really. Hmm. I didn't get that. I, I get the Kahlua. Oh, that's, yeah. Style well, from it. Kahlua is kind of like chocolate milk, right? Not as thick, but right, a little watered down. Smell so you it. get the munchies quite often, and you drink the milk with chocolate milk. Chocolate milk with some chocolate chip cookies, some chips ahoy. Comes out really good, actually. Right, I could imagine. Um, I had a friend who ate pizza, and he loved milk. He chased uh, chased down the pizza with milk, and that's just a bit odd. Ooh, cold pizza, no. cold milk. Had to be all cold, and I was like, oh, I think I'll pass. I Nah, that's like... Uh, that's that's a combination that doesn't go well. That's that's like too much dairy. That's like you know, explode the bathroom after kind of dairy. What did you call your car again? What do you call your car? The pizza shit. Oh, the pizza shit. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I had sent that first. To you, I was like, message. what is he driving pizzas now? Is he delivering pizzas for Domino's down the street? I was just curious. That's nice. That car like is a that. champ, though. I do love it. Um, getting back on here. So. You're with Matt Rose, and like you said, everything just kind of happened yeah, that right was when 19- you started getting with them. And what year was that? 1991. That was 91. And then we uh, first circuit came out April 93. And uh, it took you know it took like a year to negotiate the deal, and then we went down to I think Philadelphia to record the first album. And who's going to produce it? And there was a lot of rigmarole. And in the meantime, I was playing with a rockabilly band, and I did some bits out in Europe and. 
But it all came out. It came out in 93. We did well. We got a good push out uh, Europe way, England and all that. And, uh, yeah, I've seen that. You guys were at a Reading the, Festival 1993? Reading, yeah, Reading and all Reading. those bits and Glastonbury. And we just got a big push, you know. And Atlantic was uh, a decent label to us. They gave us somewhat of a push here, but they signed a bunch of bands. All the labels did and just saw what stuck to the wall and then... Atlantic saw that Stone Temple Pilots were going and Jewel and a few other bands, and they started putting everything behind that. And to do it in America takes a lot of cash and a lot of uh, uh, a lot of cash. It takes a lot of cash. So they pushed us into smaller markets in Europe, and it panned out well for us. You know, so it was all good. What Long got time you into? Ago. Jeez, I feel like an old fart. My God. It's called Fossil Rock now. That's what I'm calling it. That's what it's called? <laughs> yeah. Or is that what it's called to you? That's what, that's what I'm calling it, Fossil, fossil Rock. rock. Yes. I still think they're that's like... the new thing, baby. Get the walker out. <laughs> Me being my age, the tender age of 28. 28. Oh, my Lord. I feel like the 90s, out of all music, 90s music was the best. Um, you know, I don't even listen to the stuff we did. Occasionally, my wife might play a song or someone might post something on, online and I'll... I'll see, uh, I'll listen to it, but I, I don't go back and listen. So it, it's, uh, I don't know. For me, music, uh, you know, I was big, uh, you know, I was a little kid in the 60s. So, you know, 60s was a big thing. You know, uh, I liked, um, my dad used to listen to like old country, old country. So I had a little bit of that. And that was like Squaresville to me when you're a little kid. And then dad turned me on to Gene Koopa and the jazz thing, and I was digging that. And then the Beatles came out, and I was like, wow, look at this. Because a lot of the jazz guys for drums, I was like, man, I'll never do that. I'm a little kid still. I'm still trying to figure out what, what the hell's going on. I'm only yeah. seven years old or whatever. So uh, as it turns out, um, you know, the Gene Koopa, yeah, that was influenced for drums. And then Beatles and Stones and... You know, I, I like the Beatles and all that, but all that, uh, Hollies and all those bands from the 60s were big influence. And then 70s, you know, Prague thing, Led Zeppelin, Deep Purple, uh, Pink Floyd, those things. things. Like that. I wasn't huge on Pink Floyd. I mean, I liked it, but um, then, I, then I started looking for obscure stuff. You know, I, I remember I found, I'd buy records just because the cover looked weird, and I found Captain Beefheart and his magic band. And, you know, that's something that I really dug and went in that vein, you know, the, the Frank Zappa type thing and all that. And then prog rock, you know, Genesis, early Genesis, before before the schmaltzy parts came out. It was because uh, the drumming, you know, the drumming was intense, you know, early yes, things of that sort. So those are bands I listened to. Then, you know, you just, the 80s, I listened to music as well. But um, I don't know, you know, I, I listened to it, but I didn't sit, I, I wanted to do it. So I was trying to just create my own thing and I'd listen to that and that. But, uh, you know, once you, once you start making music, you don't have time to listen to other stuff as, as much. I, nowadays, I, don't, I barely listen to anything. Really? Really don't. Wow. You, you, Not even you like could, when you're driving your car? You could call home somewhere? and ask my wife. Oh, I, in the car, I'll turn on the, the radio, sometimes AM or FM. But, you know, sometimes the songs just come on. It's the same five Elton John songs. Nothing against Elton John. I like them, but there's other stuff he put out, things of that sort. But what were, uh, what were some of the bands that you toured with? Any sort of big names that you would have toured with when you were uh, you know, with Matt Rose? We toured with Chuck Pullen. His band <laughs> and uh, Tony Panic's early band, and uh, no, uh, we we did some double bills along the way. You know, opening everyone thinks like opening is great. You know, you want to open for a big band. It's good and bad points about it. I never cared. You know, once we once we were signed and had a record, I said I wanted to just do our own gigs, and we 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 would do a double bill or we toured with. Uh, Courtney Love and Hole, and we toured with Bush. Bush was a good one for us because it got us, I think they were doing about 10,000 seaters back then. It was a secondary tour. So they were doing, um, you know, Indianapolis, Bloomington, things of that sort. And uh, venues weren't, they weren't humongous. They were 10, 15,000, and they were, they just hit. They just had their first hit. So we opened for them. They paid us well, too, and uh, treated us really, really kindly. And that was kind of good for us, got us in front of a crowd. But uh, it could be detrimental, too, because when you uh, – opening for Hole was kind of odd because she, she chose us uh, when the, before her record was even finished. They had chosen us to open. And we were, we were more of a kind of um, – you know, we, our early stuff was kind of a little more rock. and But they had that kind of um, – uh, I'm lost for words here. 
uh, kind of a druggy, Lower East Side kind of music. Okay. You know, it wasn't like all fast and you know rock and roll and all that. Melody. So there were some there were some mid tempo to slow songs and but, but still with some powerful punches. So opening for uh, them was you know plus she was kind of an entity, so everyone wanted to come see Courtney fuck up. Yeah. They wanted to see Courtney fall off the stage or have all that lipstick smeared on her like Sweet Baby Jane. So that was the show itself was just her. So when we'd be playing, the, the, these were young kids coming to these shows. They just wanted Courtney, Courtney. So in that, uh, when you look at it that way, it could be not. not it's it's not fun because they just yeah. want. You know, you go to you go to a show, right? And you want to see. You want to see, I don't know, who do you like? You want to see Taylor Swift. You're a Swifty? <laughs> yeah, of course. <laughs> so they want to see Swift, you know? Oh, and then the you got the opening band. Yeah, and then the opening band comes in. Oh, we'll go get a beer. Um, yeah. That's the thing. With the opening bands. I never liked it. I'll I enjoy just some of them. If I if I walk in and I hear it. Um, there was an opening band when me and, or when Tony and I went to go see the Misfits. That was in April. There was an opening band, and I just now found them, Venom, Inc., they're kind of a punky. It's like a, like a punk Motorhead almost. It's, uh-huh. it's cool, but it's like it's like an older punk, heavier, you know, style from our friends across the pond over there. Right. Speaking of across the pond, and like since like we're talking about like the opening bands and things like that, doing shows like Glastonbury and things like that, you know, like playing like those big fest. Those shows specifically were focused on you. You weren't opening up for anybody. Well, uh, playing a festival is different. You know, you have yeah. your slot. There are several stages. Some of these, uh, I think, uh, Glastonbury, or was it Glastonbury? Or losing my mind. Um, some of them had 10 stages, you know, a couple main stages and medium-sized stage. You'd have a main stage might be in front of 50,000 people, and then a smaller stage you might be in front of 10,000, 15,000, depending. So uh, it's not really nobody's headlining. They would have, like, the main act would come on late at night. I guess that would be their headline. But so to me, you just had your slot, you know. So some bands you think would be maybe bigger were slotted at three in the afternoon, or two in the afternoon, or eight. But then uh, you know the, maybe Red Hot Chili Peppers would have the main slot. Who's whatever band was really beaming at the time would get that last uh, the last slot of the night or whatever. So, but you got a lot of exposure out of that. That was good for us. Yeah, the the festivals were fun. You know, I love playing them because you just pop in. Uh, sometimes it was a, a grind because you. Just get there, and I, I remember the first time we did Reading, the traffic was kind of funky, and we just came from somewhere else. We played in a, I think we played a festival called Lowlands, and this was when the Pumpkins were coming out. We did a radio show at this place, I forget where Lowlands is, in Denmark or somewhere like that. Mm. And uh, then we had to, I think we flew in, and then we, they had to pick us up, and then we, went, we got to the festival 15 minutes before we had to play. So, and then we finished, and then we had to leave right away because we had other gigs to do. So, a lot of times wow. you just go in and out. Uh, I think the second time we played there, we had a little more time. We were slotted later, and we were doing a gig in London or wherever. And when we went to Reading, we had a little more time. We could, we could hang out. We didn't have anything planned that night. So, it, it depends on, on your schedule, everybody's schedule. So, it gets, it's, it's, a, it's a real grind. Everyone thinks, yeah, hey, sit around and party. No, I got to be in Minneapolis, you know, and you got to leave from Chicago. So, it's a direct. You got to get on the road, you know, so. Now I'm going to ask this because I know like you were on VH1, I think, and maybe you had a spot open. At, I, I think I seen a music video on YouTube and there was a VH1 logo, old school VH1 logo, but I know there was one too yeah. of you guys, uh, some show on MTV. Yeah, it was, uh, I think 120 minutes you're thinking of. It was kind of a show that MTV played late night and played. Like all the bands that weren't so popular, you know, you wouldn't see the Prince on there or anything like that, or the Queens, or you know, you the Queens. I'm using old term, the, the band yeah. Queen. Yeah. So 120 minutes was like all the indie bands would come on there, you know, the bands that maybe were only selling 10,000 records or 50,000 records. Or, so we, I think we got a couple hits on that, and uh, might have been VH1 too. Yeah. You know, so we did. Uh, I think we did four videos. Uh, off the first two albums and never shot one on the third or fourth. So, fan base, fan base. Do you have a bigger fan base here in America or it was spotty over there in like Europe? It was weird. It was spotty. New York, we always did well. Chicago, we did well. You know, uh, West Coast, okay. Southeast, not so much. Texas, uh, you know, it, it was spotty. You know, play uh, Iowa City, it turned out because it's a college town, so people come out. Lawrence, Kansas, good. 
it was spotty. Uh, Europe, we always had a good turnout. We just kept a bigger push there. You know, we were kind of more of big shots or whatever. And if I'm not mistaken, one of your songs was actually used on the uh, Sopranos. They did. The they used uh, I th- off the fourth album. They used the track for the. I think it was the third to last show for the Sopranos, which was cool. I like that kind of stuff. How many albums did you have with Matter Rose? We did three with Atlantic, and then we did one with Cooking Vinyl, a British label that picked us up towards the end. So we were together from 91 till 2000. Okay. Then we disbanded. Went our separate ways. Went our separate ways. I was just using music as as a springboard for my film career and my radio career. Speaking of radio. Yes, radio. What got you in? I always loved radio, man, just like you, you know? I like it. Yeah. I mean, like, there's still people like I've listened to for years, like Howard Stern, Man Cow, and not so much Man Cow anymore. Older Man Cow was funnier. Right. Well, it's it's a tough gig, you know. Yeah. It's a tough gig to get a radio gig. But Howard Stern was definitely somebody. Oh I've yeah. Always... I I remember when he was first breaking in New York. I was listening to him, and I thought he was brilliant. And uh, he's a genius. <laughs> yeah, radio. I as a little kid, I used to listen. Believe it or not, I listened to talk radio a lot when I was small. Always had a radio next on my nightstand next to the bed. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was just amazed that you could sit there and some guys talking somewhere else, and it's coming right into your house, into your bedroom, like magic. You know, you didn't really have to pay for anything. Not like internet now. And there was a certain mystique about radio, even music back then, because we didn't have the internet. You didn't have this instant gratification or uh, for instance there were bands that would come out and you never saw a photograph maybe they don't like i remember the band yes never had a photograph on their album of the uh of the band so you didn't even know you're going to see them like what do these guys look like there weren't videos back then and radio radio similar you know you could you would hear someone on the radio and you never really saw the face they didn't have it on youtube or we didn't have any of that stuff i'm good thanks so um, a certain mystique with radio, like, who is this guy? I never saw him, you know, where now uh, everything's kind of just in your face all the time. But radio, as a little kid, I used to listen to it, and then I used to have a little reel-to-reel tape player when I was a little kid. They had these, like, Mission Impossible head, you know, good morning, Mr. Phelps, you know, that little reel-to-reel, four-inch reels. And I used to play in my bedroom, pretend I was on radio and do bits and and listen to it and then rewind it and erase it because I couldn't afford another reel of tape. And kind of, they always just dabbled uh, in radio in some form, either through the music trade and then especially with Matt Rose, we would travel town to town. We'd always do a radio gig and I was kind of jealous because we were traveling all the time and this guy just sits there and he does his show and he comes in like a, like a job, you know, just go to work, do your radio show, go home. So uh, I just always wanted to do it, and I had a few friends that were had radio shows, one on the East Coast, Irwin Schusted with WFMU. Uh, he was always good with uh, Matt Rose. He was a big fan and really helped us along the way too. And uh, a few other guys, and then uh, I just thought uh, when I got back here in the Midwest, I heard WJOB, so I just kind of went in and pitched a show, and uh, they gave it to me. So Wow. That. Yeah. That's actually really cool. So. Yeah, but, you know, it's hard to get a radio gig. I had a couple friends that were at it for several years, and one guy was always in some podunk town or, you know, Acorn Island, corn stalks still growing, <laughs> WCORN, or whatever it may be. And he ended up actually in Indianapolis after quite a long time in a, at a oldie station, so it panned out for him, but it's hard, it's hard to get that. So... So you pitched that show, and you're still... That was the Music Underdogs there. bit, I said, yeah. You had Music Underdogs, and you did Region After Dark, and now you got The Front Room. Right. Yeah, uh, Music Underdogs was three years. That was four nights a week. I think it was Sunday through Thursday or something. Sunday through Wednesday, I can't remember. Then there were some changes there, and then uh, uh, I was going to do another music show, and then we kind of decided, let's try a late-night talk. So that one really panned out for me. I did that for three years as well, four nights a week. So, And then uh, contractual differences, you know, things of that sort. So then we had to move on and things change and other people come in. Tony Panic came in and took over the whole station. <laughs> I'm surprised they, they, like, they just don't give him that. That guy lives at WJOB. Right, right. Except on Sundays. He's like, he's there. He's there what happens like, on Sundays? Sundays is his other gig. 
That's why he's... Other gig? What other gig? <sighs> what the hell does he do? Oh, he works at the Walgreens up there in EC. I didn't know that. He's been there for like a thousand years. No way. Yeah. Oh, I'm going to have to go in. What does he do there? Is he a pharmacist? I'm hoping he's a pharmacist. Street pharmacist. <laughs> Street pharmaceuticals. That's where, <laughs> that's where I went to Heg with you for that. That's right. So. I like that. Uh, no, I... You know, I, I love this. Uh, I love the name of the show, Hash Time. Hash Time's good. Yeah, that's a good one. Hash Time. I like it. The, the opiate thing. You have, you're into the opiates or... Oh, no, me? Oh, no, okay. Hash, no. you know, have you seen a block of hash around lately? I, I haven't seen hash in years. I've never seen a block of hash. I've seen, like, I mean, pictures of the internet? Chunks, yeah, chunks, chunks of, of hash. hash. But they, do they um, have, I don't, I don't smoke weed or anything anymore, but I remember when I was a kid, we'd smoke the weed, then they'd have the hash oil. You'd dip the joint in the hash oil, and then you had the hash. You'd have hash, and it'd have a gold seal on it, and it'd be chunks. you put it in, and I haven't had hash in a long time. I had a uh, I had a hippie pot dealer like years ago. It's kind of typical stoner guy, right? Long hair, always smells like bo, things like that. He used to sell hash. He sold it for a little bit too much. Sometimes if I had a little extra cash, he'd be like, "Yeah, let me try a little piece of that." And it was like this weird chunk of like clay or something that had this purpley goldish color to it. It was kind of mold. It was kind of um, damp. Yeah. Yeah. Moist. Yeah. You know when we uh, traveled. In Europe, we were in Copenhagen, and if you ever get out to Copenhagen, Denmark, there's a there's a place called Christiania, and it's an old military base where in the 70s, people started squatting in this old military base, and it's right in the city, sort of in the city somewhere. You'd have to look it up on, on Google Earth or something. And when we went there, we, we did a gig in Christiania. They had a, um, I don't know, it's like a, Maybe four or five hundred people uh, could fit into this club they had. Kind of cool. And we came up, and what it was is uh, the these squatters. I guess it turned up. It turned out to be. I guess people were either squatting there, and then they put up kiosk and they sell. And it's an area in Denmark, in Copenhagen, where you could actually legally sell weed, pot, and all the, all those bits. Hash. Yeah, and yeah, weed pot and hash. And you go in there, and it's like a produce. Center. I, I, I shit you not, it's like a produce center. And you walk in, and they would have these big squares of hash, and you'd buy little chunks or whatever you'd want, just like a regular market. I got to lift this up a little bit. I think it's falling. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, you can adjust that. We're actually going to take a small commercial break. We'll be right back with more hash time. Jones barbecue and foot massage. Jones barbecue and foot massage. You better come down here, get some of this shit. You like to eat? America loves to eat. So why not open up somewhere America can sit down, enjoy a meal, and get their feet rubbed? We'll fry anything you want for $5.99. As long as it's friable or edible, we're gonna make it deliciousable. We will fry parts of the chicken you didn't even know was friable. The beak, the feathers, we'll fry candy bars. All that European stuff that you don't really normally eat, we'll bring it down here and fry it for you. Ask McDonald's to fry something other than what they normally fry. Guess what you're gonna get? Nothing. If it fit through the dough, I'll put it in the fryer. Hell, this is a dinosaur. All our meats are gently tenderized to their optimum deliciousness. We got fine dinosaur meats. Took my money, paid me pay child support. Come on down here and get you a slice. Once they get your social security number, it's over. Motivated, 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 motivated. So friends, let's just decide you don't want no barbecue. Well, that's fine too. Why not let one of my foot specialists or myself perform our magic? Look at that, don't they look wonderful? If you really pay me enough, we'll massage your feet in any of these sauces also. Success is the rule down here at Jones. Good ass barbecue and foot massage. So go ahead and give me a call or find us on them worldwide internets at the new website. That's J-O-N-E-S big ass truck rental and storage.com backslash Jones. Good ass barbecue and foot massage dot H-T-M-L. Excuse me, did you call number 52? Did you hear me call number 52? <laughs> so you want to marry a Polish woman? Do you have a girlfriend? Mike? I do not. You don't? No. Didn't you have one? Yeah. Yeah? Up until April of this year. How long did you? How long that last? Not long. It was from September to April. September to April. Okay. Yeah, no, May. May. Well, you're not looking really, right? You don't want to. Eh, maybe. At your age, you know, you're, well, listen, I think I was 28. Yeah, I was 28 when I first got married. You know, I didn't, never thought I'd get married. Kind of odd. 
I would like I, to at I, some I was, point in my life. I was such an asshole. So, I mean. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, everyone. We are back right now. Uh, continuing this episode with our guest, Rick Kubik. Uh, oh, there was a break. Are you going to play those quir- quirky commercials you have or something? We yeah. are. Who We're, does those? Uh, Jones. Who? Jones. Who the hell's Jones? Jones Barbecue and Foot Massage. Yeah. What's the other one he had? Uh, Jones. Uh, but who does them? Did you do those? or No, we found those on YouTube. Oh, they're just, I thought you guys produced them. Dude, uh, dude lives like in Chicago somewhere. Oh. He right. was having all these ones. We were like, yeah, we need something quirky to just yeah. throw in. If okay, I like break. that. Came yeah, out good. More of that stuff, yeah. Um, so where were we at? We were You're going to marry about... a Polish woman. You, you like Polish food? I love Polish food. All right, now these two guys are Mexican. Let me tell you a story. I, I grew up Polak, all right? My mom and dad, I love the roast beef. They used to make pot roast, mashed potatoes, gravy. Then my mom would make some sort of pork butts. I, I don't even know what this meat is. Pork butts? Do you know what pork butts are? It's a thin piece of pork with a bone, and my mom would cook it because it was really like a cheap cut of meat, so you have to cook the shit out of it so that you could saw into it. You know, you can't do it rare. So we had all great food. We thought it was good. You know, I never had any Mexican food. I'd ask my mom, pizza, eh, too spicy. And I love, you know, kids love pizza. So we never used to get pizza delivered all that much. When I got older, we'd save up a little money, order a pizza, come to the house, we'd watch some spooky movies, things of that sort. So the, uh, um, where was I? Wait, where was I? What was I initially talking about? Um, oh, yeah. So, yeah, my mom, uh, no pizza, nothing like that. So. I uh, started playing a band when I was a little kid. We put a garage band together. You know, just kids on the block. You got a guitar, you got a bass. My dad has an old amp. How old were you? I don't know, eight, nine, something like that. Nine. Oh, wow. Yeah, I started playing drums early, you know. And uh, I had a drum set. My parents bought me a drum set, a really nice one, a Ludwig bit, you know. So I had some good equipment. And I go, I'm going to go, we're going to go out to the garage and play. And my mom's like, you can't take those drums up. So that's an offshoot of the story. But I used to take them out anyway. And we played in the garage, make noise as a kid. And there was this Mexican kid, John Perez. And I became really good buddies with him. You know, we put little kids playing in the band. We started another band, you know, get a little better, eighth grade, something like that. And John said, why don't you come by the house? My mom's going to make some food. I've never seen a taco. I didn't know. South Chicago, right? Southeast side of Chicago. Just in our house, there were no tacos. The spiciest thing was chili, which my dad made a pretty good chili. So I go to this house, and we're rehearsing, and we're playing in the basement, you know, for his, his parents. And playing monkey songs, things like that. I'm a believer trying to do that kind of stuff. So his mom calls us up and had this spread of all this tacos, making these wonderful tacos. She would take the, 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 the tortilla and put it in grease in a pan and fry it that way to warm it up. I mean, super greasy, super, super good. So uh, that was my introduction. Wow, Mexican food. Then, that, you know, Mexican Inn, let's go to Mexican Inn. It was on 95th and Ewing on the southeast side of Chicago. And that, so you like Polish food. You'd like to have a Polish, like an old peasant Polish woman. Is that what you're looking for? Define old peasant <laughs> Polish. You know, the house dress, the babushka, the apron that's out of crazy print. Oh, yeah. You know, oh, you'd want that. Okay. I was just trying to clarify things. Or a Greek woman. A Greek woman. Oh, a Greek woman's good. Yeah, but you got to go to church. That's all that crossing, signing. Do you ever go to the Greek church with. I they, went there one they time. the wrong way or the right way. I don't, I'm not, I don't want to offend anyone. <laughs> I'm, I, was, I was brought up Catholic. So are you Catholic? No. Are you, what are you? Myself. Okay, you're just yourself. Are you Catholic? I'm Christian. Christian, Christian, okay. I don't really think it matters. Uh, so I'm not, I'm not uptight about it, but I was just wanting to I know. believe in God. Uh, I believe in an afterlife, I guess. It's hard for me to say anything on that. Uh, I grew up Catholic, but eighth grade, I got fed up with the public school. Um, I just, I don't know, I couldn't get into the religion after, you know, after, after being forced to go to church and all that. Nothing against it. I think that there is a God of some sort for everybody. Everybody, maybe you have a, your, your picture of God is different than Leo's or, or mine. You know, it's always supposed to be some old guy with a big beard and stuff up there, right? Yeah. Hang, hanging out on a cloud. I, I, I think that's its uh, <laughs> generalized hanging up on, hanging yeah. Hanging on a cloud, okay. Now, who wrote that in the Bible? <laughs> See, you know, 
Uh, yeah. Well, you're wondering, you know, but nothing against it. You know, no, I, no, no, I, no. I, I'm more a science guy, but I think having, having something to believe in is great. And every, you know, I have other things that I believe in as well as my wife. We don't practice being a Catholic or anything, nothing yeah. against it. I but wouldn't it, say I'm like religious. I would think of myself as like more of a spiritual person. Ah, uh, yes, yes, the spiritual. Rub a couple rocks together and things like that. No. Oh, no, not no, like no, that. No, no, okay. Do things good for your soul. Right, right. Things that are good for your soul is what's going to make you happy. Beer. Beer. <laughs> lots and lots of beer. <laughs> that one could work, and too. And other things as well. Oh, yeah. Jazz cabbage. Jazz cabbage yeah. is always good for the soul. But thank you for this. Uh, rum is good. That's yeah, right. this rum is good. I still mm. feel like nobody knows the jazz cabbage. I have to be honest. The first time I heard that was here. Jazz cabbage? Mm-hmm. Really? Yes. I can't say I've heard it. You think that's a good term? Yeah, I think it's good. Yeah. I, Get uh, all jazzed up on this cabbage, man. I mean, they call it, you know. It actually dates back to like the 30s and 40s with your black jazz musicians. I bet it does, yeah. And they that's would, you know, what... they'd be in the back, they'd roll a joint, and they'd smoke, and they'd go out and play their music. Yeah. Jazz you up, man. Yeah, jazz cabbage. Yeah. Like, yeah, it's green, it's leafy, it's like a miniature Brussels sprout. Brussels sprouts are cabbage, jazz and cabbage. Mix right. it all into one. That's how I would think of it the best way. But, uh, yeah, that's what I stick to calling it. <laughs> Had the profile picture, too, that said, you know, free the jazz cabbage. It's the cabbage with the shades and the saxophone little hat. Yeah, that was always, that was actually a really cool picture that I found. And that was just on Google, just Google searching jazz cabbage. So, good marketing plan. It's a really good marketing plan. Um, oh, one of the things, was there like any projects that you did post Matter Rose? What I should say. Any Getting what? back on the topic here. Like any other projects that you did like musically? Me? You mean personally? Yeah, for other, you. Other musical like, projects. Did you jump like drum for any other bands? Oh, yeah, or? yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, um, Matter Rose was the main one. And right during that time when we started there was a our bassist matt verderay who's actually a guitarist started a band called speedball baby kind of a punky blues spoken word thing uh and if you look that up on youtube speedball baby and uh, I, I demoed with them a lot did some early gigs with them and then they they kind of matt left Matt Rose and the second uh, when the second album was finished, Matt left to concentrate on Speedball Baby. So that was a fun project that I did on the side and did some recording with them. Well, as well, they were uh, on a label called MCA Fort Apache. I think they were on PCP Records as well. They got a bunch of stuff floating all over the place. And that was one band I played with. I played with a nineteen eighties, early eighties New York uh, band called Die Hausfrauen. And uh, Vera, if you're listening or Check into this uh, if you're listening. Hello. I saw her not too long ago. <laughs> I did a stint with them for a year or two. And they, they had a record out, and they were, you know, I think on Cash Lot Records or something. Like that. I don't know why all this is coming to me, but that uh, I did a lot of rockabilly stuff, uh, sat in with a lot of people. Simon of Bar Sinister, Simon Chardier. He's a New York City guy, still around. And um, yeah, I, I don't know, a lot of bands, you know, uh, a band called The Same. I had two other percussionists in the group. Carter Burwell was in that uh, in that uh, outfit as well. And that was a long time ago. But, um, yeah, all kinds of bands. Some didn't hit it. You know, you thought you flipped top five. That was another band that we had that was gigging around quite a bit doing, doing all original stuff. And even during, like, the Matter Rose hiatus and uh, I think it was, after like, that, like Yeah, after Matter Rose, what I do? Uh, I think I got a job. <laughs> <laughs> And then, uh, yeah, I still played. I played a band called Cocktail Preachers, instrumental surf band uh, from Chicago area. And they're still around. Uh, they're still around, actually. They've been around about 30 years. I played with them for five. And uh, there's another offshoot of that band called 13 Tiki's that I gigged with a little bit. I don't know. Did a bit with Terminal White. Not much. Record some of my own stuff, you know. Sit down in the basement and practice my faux jazz licks. Hmm. So... I not like full. I meant, you know, like not real jazz likes. Now, in New York City, I mean, that's where Matter Rose originally mm-hmm. came out from. That's their yeah, New York City band, yeah. city of origin. Yeah. Um, 
were there ever like any times like you'd be like using like a taxi to go somewhere and someone says like hey aren't you that guy from uh from matter rose uh aren't that, you that drummer from that band no that didn't happen now, that, it didn't really happen in new york uh, that happened in in some foreign countries you know or some kid might i think i was walking through an airport and some lady stopped me once it was in somewhere in Europe. She goes, oh, wait, are you the drummer? We just saw your video or something, or they just saw something of us. And uh, she made me sign something for a kid. I don't know. A kid was a big fan. So it happened a couple of times, but not much. Make you feel good? Yeah, but, you know, I was, uh, yeah, I guess it makes it feel good. You know, it's kind of weird. I always felt a little awkward with it. You know, I wasn't like, I could see if you're like, you know, Mick Jagger or something, or, you know, maybe if you're, uh, you know, Huey Lewis or something, someone bigger. Why'd I say Huey Lewis? I don't know why. He, he just passed away. Sorry about that. I don't know why I used that one. You know, but uh, you, you someone, Paul McCartney or something, I don't know how they deal with that all the time, but they're super famous. But, you know, you just, like, you probably get recognized. I don't know how often. Never. Yeah, come on. No, it didn't happen all that much, but I, I'm uncomfortable with that. I just like, really? to, I just like to float around and just kind of just know. roll through it. Yeah. Like a tumbleweed. Just. Right. Oh, well. Um, if I'm not mistaken, there was a new Meta Rose album that you had released just this yeah. year, right? Yeah, that just came out. Well, what is this? Two, 2009, a couple months ago, August, it came out. August 2019, if you want to date this. Yeah, yeah, it came out a small British label we connected with online. He was a fan, had a record company, put some cool stuff out. So, kind of worked this deal. We recorded it in four separate places. Couple guys on the East, uh, well, Mary and Billy are on the East Coast. I'm here, Midwest. Chris is out in LA, and then our fifth member, Matt, who's played on this record as well, he came back to play on the record. He's in New York City still. So, how do so, you yeah, guys go about recording that? Uh, they would send me some fly tracks, you know, I call them just uh, like a little click track on it and the main melody and maybe a little guitar part, and then I'd work a beat into it, send it back to them, and then they'd send it to the bass player. And, have them lay a bass line over some of the guitar work, and they just build it just like you do in the studio. You record, uh, you know, you record live, right? Okay, that might be the only difference, but most of the time you drop everything and replace all the all the tracks except the drums. You know, the drums are the ones they keep. Oh, we got a solid drum track, then we'll rebuild everything else. But some bands do it live a little more or less. But I think there's going to be some sort of. Uh reunion tour uh there's been some talk we were offered some british thing but i don't know if that's going to come to fruition right yet so there was talk maybe in 2020 but we'll see didn't do time i think we might do another recording possibly and try and garner a little more maybe if we get a buzz going but you know one thing one good thing we uh, it came out on vinyl and it's actually out on cd as well and you could get a digital one at tromerecords.com t-r-o-m-e.com TromeRecords.com. And uh, so I know the vinyl sold out, and a lot of people requested the CD because they wanted a physical thing to hold rather than just the digital thing. I have a record player, so I might have to buy that album on vinyl. Sold, yeah, I think they're going to put a second pressing. They didn't press a hell of a lot of them, but you know, the ones we had, they pre-sailed out. Oh, that's a hit to the, to right. the belt line right there. Because <laughs> well, I'm like thinking, like, oh, wow, cool. Yeah, like they, I can fucking... they might press more. No, no, no. It, it turned out well. It was very nice, very nice, very nice. And, um, you know, I haven't seen Mary and Billy in a long time. Chris I saw uh, a few years back. We, we've kind of connected a few times. So um, it is what it is, but you move on, right? Totally understand that. Um, one thing that I've had the pleasure of, like, working with you with it was Kids on Goop. Yeah, the Kids on Goop thing. That's um, I don't know what that is. It's just an entity. Where did that come from? Entity my wife and I kind of put together, and I named it. My dad used to always yell at us when we, you know, I'd see Rolling Stones on TV. Oh man, look at this, dad. This is cool. Those guys look like creeps with the long hair. They're probably all hopped up on goop. So that was like a, a saying, an old school saying that, you know, the kid, guys all hopped up on goop, you know. So um, that always stuck in my head. And then I just thought, oh, kids on goop or kids on goop. Oh, look at those guys stand on the corner, kids on goop. Don't hang around with those kids. That kind of thing, you know. So I do, uh, do kind of dig out, you know, how that name came into play. Yeah, and it's just a, it's kind of a studio thing. We just kind of work things out, put a few things together. It could be it's really it's kind of all over the board. So 
uh, think of a video, you write a song or you write a piece and then you build around it. And then you're in... You were in the gutter I was, suit. I was just going to bring that up. Yeah, yeah I was suit. in the uh, I was in the gutter suit. I don't have a label or anything. It's just it's, it's just floating out there somewhere. So I'm trying to find out where to put it once I collect enough songs. I like Maybe it though. Well, thanks. I, I appreciate like it. it. The uh, the gutter suit was fun. What was the other one? Oh, that wasn't even kids on goop related. That was front room related. The fashion oh, the, show. Uh, the, Sachel. the Sachel fashion show. Sachel or Satchel? Satchel. Fashion show, yeah, Sachel. I say Sachel. I I've like been saying it's Sachel. Yeah, Sachel fashion show. That's hard to say, really. Sachel fashion show. Fashion show show. Yeah, it does kind of yeah like a it's a twister. Yes, <laughs> that was uh that was a lot of fun doing that. And of course, like Tony said, uh you know once you get the booze in him, yeah, he'll start you know he's a little bit more open to just doing whatever. Me? Me. Oh, you, yeah. Because I, I yeah. did the whole... Uh, right, yeah. Yeah, the Captain shirt off and the whole and bit. the shirt off right. and big bag. Yeah. <laughs> that, was, that was actually a lot of fun. And your signature move. Yeah. The, the sunglasses. Little, little glasses yeah. tilt, the little the, head down. The glass dip. The yeah, glass the glasses dip. dip, yeah. I, I, I like that term a lot. Um, do you have anything else that you are like wanting to do? Like, Do you want to take like kids on goop somewhere? You know, or is that sure, really man, just the, like a hobby thing that you, you do know? know? I'm just right now, I'm just like chugging along, you know, I probably should be working, <coughs> I probably should be working more at it, but I got the radio show going and a few other things, and so uh, I do it when something comes to my head, just put it down, so that's it. So WJOB essentially is like your employer. Yeah, I cut spots for them, that's mainly what I do, and then had the few shows with them now, and now I'm down to kind of an online show called The Front Room. And they air it on WJOB. It's a pre-recorded bit. We do it at the house. So, the wife and I, Marlo Kubik in the front room. Marlo Kubik. Yeah, you know what the front room is. You yeah. know what the front room is, right? Yeah. Do you know what it means, though? Not. It's like a living room. Yeah. See, he gets it. Some Me people and Leo, are like the sound guy. We're on a topic about that. Right. Well, this, some people just are, the front room. I don't get it because maybe you know it was more Midwest, like a Southern Midwest, where get out of the front. The kids, companies coming over. Get the kids out of the front room. You know. Oh, my mom. Front room? Yeah, it was front room. You know, but when you're in Chicago, you just front it. You know. Like when I thought of it, that's how you would call our living room. Yeah. Well, most houses my were parents kind were of always like that. Bungalow you know, style. You had you know the front room, dining room, kitchen. Two, three bedrooms on the side, bathroom in the middle. Yep. That's, that was the layout of all Chicago bungalows, primarily. Right, right when you walk in my parents' house, that's exactly how it is. Yes. The front room. Three blocks. And it goes to the dining room. Yeah. Then there's the kitchen. Yep. But then also with the kitchen, you cut that. Uh, you give like you a... have a pantry? We do not have a pantry. Oh. But, my aunt had a pantry. It was the size of your kitchen. <laughs> like we have I that go, this lined is up. a pantry? There's another room. <laughs> pantries are huge though yeah I've, I, I've seen some houses that have like real deep yeah, in right. cut pantries like a long closet but like pretty much like you described it so it's so you there's a the living t- room dining room kitchen and then there was the addition that became the laundry room oh and then you got where did my you parents sleep? room I'm a basement rat yeah basement boy that's <laughs> alright man I've always had, wanted that you because had the action down there of course yes. all the time and then there's the bathroom in the middle and then the basement's designed out the same way except when you get more Towards the, you realize that the listeners can't see that drawing you're doing. Of course, <laughs> of course, I'm doing so this. So it's out basically to myself, four like, blocks with a little thing on the back for your for your sunroom or something, right? A uh, little, little thing here on the back would be the laundry room. Okay, laundry, room. and that leads out to the back deck. They call it the sunroom these days. The see, sunroom. They've, they've, they've changed all the rooms. It's not the front room; it's the great room. The great I go, what's so great about it? You gotta fucking paint the walls. Right, that I is mean, true. Right. So. <laughs> you got to always paint the rolls with the a day room. Walls. What's a day walls. room? Day room. That that sounds like something in like a like a senior citizen home. Right, right. A day room. Like, come on, right. everybody. Uncle Chester's over in the day room. He's in the day room, just sitting there, right. watching the sky pass. But yeah, I mean, I I guess if we're talking about old like Chicago style houses, yeah, that's. I mean, all of Northwest Indiana though has that scrunched in because Chicago yeah, kind of right just there. bled over. That's all right. Then you get those other houses in like the Munster Highland area. The quads. The quads. The quads. Lots of stairs, like, many levels. A lot of it looks like the houses sit flat ranch style, but there's always a basement to them. Right, right. And the basements are cool. Cross space. 
No, I love basements. What do you got? You, you, you got a ranch, no? I have a ranch. You have a ranch. I'm not a real ranch. I have a ranch house, a ranch, have a ranch style, style house. Style I house. don't own a ranch. Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. You don't got like horses and cows yeah. and stuff in the ranch house. But you got the basement too in your ranch. Right. Your basement's actually really cool, by the way. Yeah. Yeah, I was uh, seeing it. That's such a random thing to just bring up. Your basement's cool. Yeah, so I, I, was, I think it was on the cover of Architectural Digest one day, one year. <laughs> Is that something that's uh, by TFR Publishings? Uh, I guess so, yeah. TFR Publishings. <laughs> so we've tackled everything. Right. But if there's one other thing I was going to ask. No, no, what is it? Does Matt Rose need a new singer? <laughs> Pointed to myself. Oh, I can sing, man. We can do some Mary Jane by Rick James. Uh, it's pretty tough to compete with Mary Larson. She's no, great. I know. She's, she's actually vocalist. she's a really good singer. Yeah, there's still some things there that I do listen to. If you like vocal stuff, listen to that new record. That's uh, that's next on my list. I actually had to write that down. Trome Records, right? And that's who you guys all were with over there, or that's who wanted. That's it. who put this record on. Yeah, uh, the record label. Yeah. So you recorded everything, obviously right. individually, and then sent mm-hmm. it back over to him. Yeah, the, and he mixed it all up and mixed and mastered. Yeah, Billy and a few other people put that all together on that end. So all in all, it's available at Trome Records. Matteros. Do you have anything else for WJOB that you're going to do? I don't know. I don't know. That's kind of just... I think you should be the one to buy that place. <laughs> oh, man. You gotta hey, I'm just happy to be on the radio, you know? So yeah. I, don't, I don't know what form or whatever, however it is, just to do my show. So check out The Front Room. Oh, yeah. Definitely check that out, ladies and gentlemen. The Front Room on uh, WJOB 1047 FM, AM 1230. Boy, he's trying to be one of them dear disc jockeys. <laughs> The disc jockeys. <laughs> I actually had Tony's name on my uh, phone like that for a while. Really? It said Tony Panic, WJOB AM 1230. You had that all written on your phone. Okay. All written right. on my phone for Tony. <laughs> That's how it stuck to it. Very good. Um, Mike, thanks for having me, man. Hey. I appreciate it. I appreciate it much. There and was Lee, another thing, Leo, but I really what? can't remember it. I can't remember it. Food? So. No. No, it wasn't food. There was something else I had floating, and I meant to jot it down, and I totally forgot to. But we did tackle everything. Rick, I really appreciate you coming on the show. I'm going to bring you back on again some later point on in life and call it Rick Kubik Returns. All right, there you go. Well, thanks, Mike. I appreciate it, and good luck with the... uh with the show. See, I said show, not podcast. This is a start of something. <laughs> I, it, it could go somewhere later on. I'm not going to go hey, crazy never if know, it man. doesn't. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for tuning in to another awesome episode with uh, Mike Escamilla, also known as Hashtime. I totally messed it up. We'll redo that later. We'll cut that out. Beer, beer. Rick, again, thank you for coming out. <laughs> Rick Kubik, ladies and gentlemen, make sure you check out the uh, the new Matter Rose record or the album that's out on uh, tromerecords.com. That's T-R-O-M-E records.com.